Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. Welcome to this week's edition of The Howl. We are back. The NBA is back. Timberwolves basketball is back. I don't know about you, but I am very, very excited for what this season holds and just very excited that the fact we finally have actual basketball as a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. You know, the bubble was great. I don't think anyone's denying that, but the Wolves weren't there. We haven't been able to watch the Wolves in 10 months, and so that's something that we finally get to enjoy Timberwolves basketball, and now we know what the team looks like, right? Now, there's probably going to be some some tweaks here or there. You have some non-guaranteed contracts. You wonder how that's going to shape out. You do still have uh, the elephant in the room that is Jordan McLaughlin. He is not on a contract yet. He is sitting there, and actually, as I record this, the funny thing is that today's the day, right? Today is the, actually the day where his... Um, I believe the way it works is his option runs out, so he's not going to be able to uh, be, uh, or he wouldn't have the option to pick up that uh, two-way contract again, but at the same time, that's the reason why we're here in the first place, right? They did not want to do that, or the team probably would have been fine with that, but uh, I believe my understanding is both sides did want to sign him to a real contract, to a multi-year contract. Now, is it the Gupta special? That I don't know. I don't know what they've actually offered him, but uh, my understanding is that the divide is is fairly substantial between what the Timberwolves are willing to offer and what Jordan McLaughlin is willing to accept. And I'll say this. I understand that Jordan McLaughlin had a really good season last year. I'm a huge McLaughlin fan. I would love him back. I get all that, but this is a pretty big risk if you ask me because here's the deal. You're a player that had a decent season, but not even a full season. You know, he started off slow last season. And so he's this is a pretty big gamble to to say, you know what, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna hold out until I get the money that I want. No other teams come a calling. Now that's that could change, obviously. And if it does happen, the Wolves do have a right to match. 
But keep in mind there's restrictions, or I guess not restrictions, but I guess a good way to look at it would be they don't really have any room. They don't have a lot of wiggle room, so they know what they can offer. The other thing, too, right now they sit at 15 guarantee, or fifteen contracts. So are they going to uh, waive a non-guaranteed contract? Are they going to waive a guy like Nas Reed, Jalen Noel? Those are, those are questions, but I don't think so. And now I will say this. As far as Jalen Noel is concerned, that was the guy that prior to the preseason I kind of set my sights on as the guy that would probably end up being let go. He's been good in the preseason, though. Uh, he didn't do much in the in the second game. In that first game, and we're going to touch on that, in that first game, though, he was solid. Now, the only caveat I have with that is we already knew that Jalen Noel could play well against G League players. And if you look at the guys he was playing with, he wasn't playing against John Morant. He wasn't playing against the top-tier guys. So to me, what I would love to see, and I don't think we're going to see it tonight, as uh, you know, as I'm recording this first part of the episode, it's actually prior to the third preseason game, and then before the episode ends, we will touch on that three third preseason game as well. But I don't think there's going to be a huge... I mean, this is the last chance this team has to play together. I do think if you're Ryan Saunders, I think it behooves you to do what you can to make sure that this is the most the most closely resembling to what you want to do in the real game. That's that's one way to do this. And that's how I personally would do this. Now, the other the other caveat they could say, "All right, well, what we want to do is this is our last chance to to get a view of some of these guys, right? So we're going to give them minutes, maybe even minutes as we touch on Jalen Noel, maybe some minutes against the main guys, right? Maybe they're going to bring Jalen Noel earlier than they did in the other games." I don't know. Time will tell there. But Jalen Noel looked good in the minutes he's played. It's tough to deny that. Now, granted, as we touched on before, we've seen him against lower competition, and that was the issue last season, right? He was great in the G League, averaged around 43% from three. That's fantastic. You bring him up to the NBA, though, you bring him up to the majors, and we're talking it was around 11% from three. I mean, that's basically like close your eyes and pray, and maybe some of them go in throughout the season. Like 11%, that's, that's bad. So... That's something to consider when you're looking at the direction that they're going to go with this roster. Now, do I trust Ryan Saunders and Gerson Rosas? I do. I think those guys understand what they're doing. I think they have a vision. And I, I, so far right now, I have to say that I trust that vision. I like the direction that they're going. And I am not, you know, the one thing I'll say about the preseason is a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of Wolves fans doing this, overreacting to two preseason games. I'm not going to do that. I knew going into this season, as we touched on before, 10 months. This team has not played in 10 months. And even when they did play, guess what they didn't play? They didn't play together as a team because Carl Towns was hurt. Carl Towns played a single game with some of the newer players. That's it, one game. So you're telling me the franchise's best player, the cornerstone, has not played a basketball game with the new pieces, and I'm supposed to say, hey, two games into preseason, we know how this team's going to look. This is the final piece. This is the finished product. I don't think so. That's not where my head is at. It's going to take time. It's going to be a little painful to start out, and it is. It has been. Now, you're starting to hear things from players that are the things that you want to hear if you're expecting things to go a little better, right? So you take a look at Anthony Edwards, and he talked on how he thinks that it's all about kind of finding that kind of finding that zone, right? So if you're Anthony Edwards, uh, it sounds to me like he has, you know, he's going to have a little more confidence. He's going to kind of understand the shots he's supposed to take, and he expects in this third game it's going to be the best game that we've seen from him so far. I think that's a very good bet. If you're Anthony Edwards, it's a pretty good bet as well just because you didn't exactly 
jump off the page. If you watched the first two games and you weren't, you didn't really know a lot about Anthony Edwards, and if you didn't know where he was drafted, my guess is you wouldn't say one over number one overall. Now, I'll say this. If you were a Cleveland Cavaliers fan and you watched Isaac Okoro, eh, you might say that, wow, is that the number one overall pick? Because the guy's been fantastic. And you know what? Not surprising. I've said it before. I say it again. I said it on my other show that covers the NBA draft on these airwaves, on Nothing But Net on Dash Radio. I've said Isaac Okoro with a jump shot is the best player in this draft class. Hands down. I think that's, I think that's easily, easily said and so far so good with a guy like Isaac Okoro. But again, back to Anthony Edwards. You watch him in those first two games, it's a little bit of a process. But here's the thing. Think about this. For anyone that's played basketball, if you're on a team and you're a a main cog in the motor that runs that team, right, you're going to play one way. But if you're like a third or fourth fiddle or fifth fiddle, if you're one of those guys that's not the top option, you're playing differently. Now think about this. You're Anthony Edwards. You're on a very poor Georgia team. You are the guy right? You are the best player on that team, hands down, and you are carrying the load night in and night out. Now you're going to come to a new team where you're not the first option. You're not the second option. You're probably not the third option. You're fourth or fifth. That's where you are, and that's a huge difference. So when he comes onto the court, he has to embrace that role, and he's done that. The thing that is, to me, that you've seen in those first two games is you're seeing a player that's just finding his place. Now, the two areas that I think that you see that are on offense and on defense. Now, you watch him when he's playing. He's definitely been more active in terms of trying to be a passer, maybe to a fault, and that's okay. I think I would prefer that to a guy that isn't looking for the passes, isn't trying to make those decisions. So you're watching a player that is not just playing by instinct. You're watching a player that is kind of learning the style. He's learning his teammates, and that's all to be expected. So I do have higher hopes for him in this third game. And and overall, he's going to be a successful player in this league. We talk about how every day so far, as far as what they've reported, Anthony Edwards is generally the first guy in the building. You love to hear that. You absolutely love to hear that. Or at least, for sure, he was game one. We touched on that. He was very excited to get out there and play. And for those people that were questioning whether or not Anthony Edwards was all in, I was one of those people not... Not be, I just had concerns because of the quotes we heard pre-draft. There were some concerns there, and I think they were valid at the time just to have questions. I think at this point, we feel a lot more confident in him and his love for basketball. And so we will see what happens in game number three. What I want to touch on first, though, is the first two games that we talked about. So we've already touched a little bit on Anthony Edwards. Uh, what I've kind of done as I did this, as I watched these first two games, is I kind of made some generalized notes. And so we're going to kind of go through those and touch on my overall observations from what we've seen so far. And then we're actually going to uh, take a look at maybe some possible roster changes. Um, not roster, I should say, but rotation. Some other ways to possibly look at the rotation. And then we'll uh, actually go through, do a little bit of a simulation. And then we're going to end the show taking a look at that third preseason game, which is going to happen later tonight. So a lot to like. If you're a Wolves fan... Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Again, you're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But a Channel, and we are the Howl. All right, so starting with game number one, Timberwolves, of course, in games one and two, taking on the Memphis Grizzlies, both of which were taking place here at home. And I do think part of that is the fact that they're trying to, you know, limit the exposure people have to transportation, travel, I mean, other teams, other people, and that's a good way to do it, kind of a... 
limit the amount they're having to travel to different places. And so you're going to have games like this, or at least you're going to have stretches like this, I think during the season is my understanding, where you're going to play the same team twice, for example. So the Timberwolves taking on the Grizzlies on Saturday, and then the Grizzlies again on Monday. So you look at that and you might say to yourself, well, how's that going to work for the Grizzlies? Is that really fair? Well, apparently it is because they won both games. So spoiler alert for anyone that isn't aware of who won those games, but I don't think uh, we're at the point now where someone can say to themselves, man, that's not fair. I I tuned in because I wanted to hear about the games. Don't give me the score. Well, here we are. So the first game was probably closer in the score than it really was, if you ask me. Second game, even though the score is pretty different, I would say that it it arguably was the same. I, I think that they outplayed us in both games. I would say the only player that, to me, stood out in either game um, as far as playing on the same level, I felt, as the Grizzlies, was probably um, RHJ. I thought Ronnie Hollis Jefferson was solid in that second game. One game uh, to touch on. So first game, though, we'll, we'll take a look there. Uh, 107-105 was the total the Grizzlies take it. And I'll tell you, the man that was responsible for, for bringing the Wolves back and making it even at this close was Jalen Noel that we talked about earlier. Jalen Noel had a very, very solid game. We're talking... 22 points in just 13 minutes. I mean, come on, that's that's pretty successful. Malik Beasley, and again, box scores don't tell the story. When you when you look at box scores, there's a lot of people out there that like to look at box scores, and when you have a conversation with them about a game or about a team or about a player, it's very apparent what they've done because you, you get a very different view of a game from a box score than you do for watching it, and that's, that's just common sense. Uh, one name that jumps off the page to me, a player that pretty much everyone is ripping right now, and that is Josh Okoge. You know, the fall from grace for Josh Okoge was like overnight, it seems like. People watch these first two games, and they make you'd think the guy was Anthony Bennett. Like, I don't get it. I'm just not sure what people are watching or what people are expecting. But I was, I for one, I'm not going to say I was impressed by Josh Okoge. I'm not going to say that because uh, there were some there were some issues there, but. This idea that he's this out-of-control player that's constantly making the wrong decisions, that's just not true. He did have, uh, in both games, a few instances where there were you know reasons to be concerned. But overall, I thought Josh Okoge was solid. In this first game, we actually uh, look at Josh Okoge. He really wasn't a big part of the game on offense, and Ryan Saunders touched on that. And Ryan Saunders mentioned how that's not Josh Okoge's fault. That's a lack of ball movement. So that's going to be something to watch going forward. And again, that's part of the the chemistry issues. That's a part of a team that has not played in 10 months. There's lots of reasons for that, and I do look for that to change and for that to, to get a little better as we move forward. The starters, by the way, for this group, for anyone that did not catch this game, D'Angelo Russell, we had Malik Beasley, Josh Jacoby, Jake Lehman, and Carl Towns. The big question coming into this game I thought was go- they were going to touch on was who's going to play at the four? That's going to be a big thing. And then who's going to be the backup center? Those are those were two big question marks. And then, of course, I think the other question mark when it came to rotations, was it going to be Josh Okogie or Jared Culver that was going to start? That was kind of where I was at with that. They could have started Anthony Edwards. They could have made that decision. But I think when it comes to throwing rookies in there, you don't need to start them unless you have to. You look at a team like the Hornets, right? The Hornets are not a very good basketball team. They're going to be better this season. Maybe, and they're in the East. That helps, right? But even they did not start LaMelo Ball game number one. So that's just something to watch for. Jake Lehman was very impressive in this game. What's great about Jake is he has the ability to stretch the floor. He's a good cutter. 
And to me, he's a solid defender and he's a good athlete. He's got a lot that he brings to the table. He's not a superstar. He's not a star. But he is the definition of solid. And there's a reason why he was the first free agent they brought in. He fits what they want to do so incredibly well. He's that toolsy three slash four that's going to be able to get on the floor and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And that's exactly what you want from a player on the Timberwolves team. You need guys like that that are going to play roles. Again, he's not a superstar. He's not a star. He's going to guy that's going to play his minutes. What is like they say, he's going to put his hard hat on and he's going to get the job done. And we saw that uh, from him in this first game. Uh, Carl Towns, you look at his stat line: twenty-one minutes, thirteen points, eight rebounds. That's that's an okay game, right? You're, I mean, it's not like amazing, but it's solid, right? You're, you look at that. If you watch the game, Carl Towns starts off really, really good. Uh, he has two three-point plays, not three-pointers, but uh, two and ones. Makes the free throws, gets off to a nice, uh, you know, six points. So when you look at it that way, in the first, you know, couple minutes, the guy's got six points. He ends with thirteen. One thing we're seeing from him early on is he is struggling a bit from the three-point line. I'm not ripping Carl Towns for that. It's just going to take some time. He has not played competitively in the NBA setting in ten months. These are things that we got to watch for. Also, Carl Towns has got a lot going on. I'm not going to uh, rip the guy for anything at this point. He's our best player. He's going to have a fantastic season. In fact, I was just looking over dynasty rankings for fantasy basketball. So if you're doing fantasy basketball and if you're doing a dynasty league, which uh, before I say why I bring that up, I want to mention actually we're going to be doing a dynasty league uh, sometime in the next week, and we're actually going to be – airing it uh, here on the Nothing But That channel. And then we're also going to be, it's going to be you know found in podcast form. Anywhere you find our show in podcast form, you'll be able to listen to that. So we're actually going to be me, Aaron, Kevin, uh, maybe some other people from our radio station are going to be taking part in a draft that me and Aaron have set up. We're doing an Empire League dynasty style for the NBA. And we're going to be a podcast, or sorry, we're going to be, um, I guess, recording that while we are doing the draft. That's going to be something to look forward to. But I bring that up because on Hashtag Basketball's website, the number two player overall, number one is Luka Doncic, number two for overall best player you want in a dynasty, Carl Anthony Towns. So I trust that Carl Anthony Towns is going to figure things out, and he's going to be solid. You know, the things you noticed from this group um, in games one and games two were teams, were a team that were really trying to find themselves. They're not there yet, and I'll go into more specifics in terms of my like what I saw from this game and what I saw from the other game, just observations. Uh, how about D'Angelo Russell, 14 points, three assists, four rebounds. That's solid in 23 minutes. Anthony Edwards, by the way, he leads the team in minutes through two games. I actually saw people on Twitter that were ripping Ryan Saunders saying they didn't play him enough. And when I called that person out on Twitter, I said, what are you talking about? He's played the most minutes. I said, and, he, and this was his response. He said, well, when I sent that, he hadn't. And I said, that's not true. You sent that in the middle of game two. He led the team in minutes through game one. So in the middle of game two, you can't sit here and complain. We're not even done with the game yet. And the first game, he was the number one leader. Early on in this season, we've seen a lot of people ripping Ryan Saunders. Let's give the guy time. He has not had a single full season to coach. He has a brand new roster. At the end of this season, we're going to know a lot about Ryan Saunders. We're going to know a lot about Gerson Rosas, and we're going to know a lot about this team. Two games into the preseason is not the time to rip players, to rip teams, to rip coaches, GMs, any of that stuff. Two, te- two games in, 
to what is a massive overhaul of a roster, let's take a step back, let's calm down, and let's be patient. And if you're not going to be patient, find another team because this is not the team for you because you're going to be upset too often. I get that we've had a lot of bad teams. I get that you can come back and say, well, I have been patient. I've been here for years. Guess what? I was a close to 15-year season ticket holder. Through all the crap, through all the bad teams, I was there. And guess what? I have other priorities now. I'm no longer a season ticket holder. So now we're right there by the pro- – we're, we're, I would say that we're right there you know, on the five-yard. We're in the red zone, and this team is going to be good for a number of years now. I can wait a little longer. I'm not going to be going to games because guess what? We're in a pandemic now. I canceled my season tickets. But I'm here. I was there through all of that. So I understand the heartache. I understand the frustration. But now is not the time to give up. You waited this long. Have a little more patience, and let's see how this pans out. Let's move on to number, game number two here quick. Um, actually, before we move on to game number two, uh, let me just touch on the, the Grizzlies a little bit. Grizzlies, they were fantastic. Uh, John Morant, that guy's the real deal. 20 points, 11 assists, 4 rebounds in 25 minutes. But he looked like, for all intents and purposes, the best player on the court. At many instances, he did. Time will tell, but I, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of what he's done. And I'll add this: I'm a huge fan of the Grizzlies because they they did some stuff and they've grabbed on some players that I really like. You look at this draft class: their ability to grab Desmond Bain, they grabbed Xavier Tillman. I'm a huge Tyus Jones fan. How could I not like Gorgie Jang? I'm glad he's not with the Wolves anymore. Not because he's a bad person, because he made a lot of money and he just didn't fit what we were trying to do. But I wish him all the success. This Grizzlies team is gonna be able to compete night in, night out. Now, the one guy that's not going to be as good as he is against us, uh, Dylan Brooks. Historically, every time Dylan Brooks plays the Wolves, he puts on a show like he's a future Hall of Famer. Dylan Brooks is a pretty average guy. In this first game, just four points, five assists, and three rebounds. So not the normal 30 points or whatever it is that he's putting up against the Wolves. The guy that shined, of course, was John Morant. But also, let me add this, Kyle Anderson, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, very good. Very good players. Let's move on now to game number two. Game number two, again, like I talked about, 123 to 104. So the score, not close. I also still think, even though it's not close, I don't think it was indicative as, as to how uh, bad the Wolves played. I think, it was, I think it was a rough one. If you watch this game, I think you would agree that this was definitely not a great performance. Now, I will add this. If you didn't watch it, I don't think that you need to necessarily, um, you know, again, go overboard with the reaction. If you do choose to watch it, I think you should. I watched both these games twice. And when I watched them live, I felt a lot different than when I watched them in replay. It, I didn't think either game was as bad as I originally thought. And I think part of that is the waters get a little muddied when you jump on, let's say, NBA Twitter, or you listen to the radio, or you listen to other shows that talk about the Wolves. There's a lot of negativity out there. And I think, for me anyways... I take all that negativity in, and it sours me a bit. I go back. I clear my head. I watch the games. I think there's a lot more to like than people realize. Now, if you look at this game, all the same guys were great. The starters for the Grizzlies were fantastic. 21 points for Brooks. Kyle Anderson was 16. Uh, Valanchun is 22. 17, 7, and 7 for John Morant. These guys were fantastic. And it's just going to get more difficult when we talk about game number three. You're playing the Dallas Mavericks, and if they're going to take this as the last game before the regular season, 
That's going to be tough. I mean, who's going to contain Luka Doncic? I mean, who's going to do that? So there's lots of storylines to watch for there. And then if you look at um, the Wolves team specifically, 19 points from D'Angelo Russell. Although I will say a lot of that was in that first half. He cooled off quite a bit later in the game and took some shots that uh, at times, this is the thing, D'Angelo Russell, you kind of um, you live and die with the way he plays basketball. He takes some, I would say at least a little bit, ill-advised shots. Either they go in or they don't. I get that that's how basketball works, but I'm just saying he takes some tough shots. And again, that's why you're going to live and die with how he plays the game. Uh, Carl Towns, 14 points, 5 assists, 9 rebounds. A fantastic performance there, but 27 minutes. I, you want more than 14 points. Still struggling from the three-point line, but he did hit a three in this game. That's going to come around. There's a reason why he's one of the greatest three-point shooters, uh, big men-wise, of all time. There's a reason why that's there. He is a fantastic three-point shooter. That didn't go anywhere. He didn't forget how to shoot threes. You know, It's not like he just got drafted and he's going to the Sixers and they're going to change his form, and all of a sudden he's going to forget how to shoot. We're not asking about that. This isn't Isaiah Joe. This isn't Markel Fultz. This is Carl Towns. He's going to figure it out. I am not worried about that. Anthony Edwards, again, 26 minutes in this game, 12 points, four rebounds, two assists. You definitely saw a little bit more from him, and there was a little more confidence. A lot to like, a lot to dislike. It's going to be growing pains. Expect it. I would say the guy that has been most impressive in terms of what I've seen so far based on expectations and how things had to change was Jared Culver. I think he's kind of been the talk of the town, and that is why I think some people would like to see him start over Josh Kogi. I would definitely like to see that for this game tonight. Let's take a look at what that brings. If you want to keep the other starters together, that's fine. But I would like to see what Jared Culver can do with the starters. He only played, he only played 13 minutes. Josh Okogie, um, or sorry, no, I take that back. Jared Culver played 20 minutes, had 13 points. Josh Okogie, 19 minutes. They're playing about the same amount of minutes, but it's all who you're playing with. And I wouldn't mind seeing him get the start. Maybe put Jared Culver on Luka Doncic. Let's see what that looks like. Now, let's just go over some of my uh, some of my points or some of my observations from the first two games. Before we do that, though, we are going to jump into the simulation and get that started in the background. One thing we are going to try, if we look at the roster and we look at the way we want this team to be coached, we have made some changes. So the way we're going to look at this is we're going to have Russell start. We're going to go try this. We're going to try a Kogi and Culver starting. Layman and Towns. On the bench, Rubio's the first guy off the bench. Then we're going to have Beasley and Edwards. So the, the key here is we're going to say, can if we're worried about Beasley and Russell coexisting, which I think there's, there's some question marks there, just because both guys need the ball in their hands, they're both looking to score. What if we break that up a little bit, add some defense to the starting lineup, add some offense to the backups, because you're talking about Ricky Rubio, solid defender. Malik Beasley... We haven't touched on this yet, but he has been really good defensively. That I've been very impressed with him. Anthony Edwards, he had a LeBron chase down block in that second game. There's You're seeing flashes of Anthony Edwards, and it's 100% efforts always there. There were question marks about that coming in. He has given it his all on that end. I have no, I'm, not, I'm not worried right now about him on that end. He's going to grow. He's going to figure that out. Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, fantastic second game. Looks really good. We're going to have him get minutes, Wancho Hernan Gomez, and that's it. That's where we're going to end this. We're not going to give Nasri minutes to start. No Vanderbilt. No Ed Davis. Ed Davis, by the way, looked bad. I have not been impressed with Ed Davis. Other guys have stepped up. I'm not saying Ed Davis isn't going to get minutes. He's going to likely get minutes. A lot of people like Ed Davis. He provides 
a lot to this team, not just in terms of what he does on the court, but he's a good locker room guy. Everyone touches on what a good good guy he is. So a lot to like about Ed Davis being just on this team. But in terms of what you got for him on the court, I myself was not impressed. So one thing you gotta make sure you do when you're doing this, if you are if you do want to really have control over like roster and lineup and all that stuff, you wanna make sure that you change everything to manual. Otherwise, if you have it set to something else, whether it's roster changes, injuries before games, any of that stuff, uh, the coach itself, so in this case, Ryan Saunders would make the changes for you. We're going to stick with what we want. We've turned injuries off, and we are going to, again, start this up in the background and go from there. All right, so there we go with that. Let's go over some of the, the observations that I had from games one and two. Again, before this episode is over, we will cover game number three. Shot selection. I think the shot selection so far has been a little meh. I have not been super impressed. I think a lot of it goes back to we touched on what Ryan Saunders said about how he didn't appreciate what he saw from the team in terms of ball movement. I think that has to do with shot selection. We talked about living and dying with D'Angelo Russell. He's got to take better shots, I think, or at least he's got to be making more shots. Carl Towns, I think he's had very good shot selection, but he's not making it. If you springboard off of shot selection, decision-making for certain players has been poor. I thought in game number two, especially we noticed this, but Ricky Rubio, bad decision-making. You don't really think of Ricky Rubio as a bad passer, but man, in that game two, I was not impressed. I thought he he really struggled. And again, that goes back to chemistry. Uh, The one thing we're seeing too is value the basketball. Another thing we talk about when it comes to decision-making, we did not value the basketball. A lot of really stupid turnovers, a lot of unforced errors. These are things that have to change if this team is going to make, get wins, if this team is going to be successful. By the way, looking at, this, uh, looking at the simulation, the Timberwolves have started out 10-10. and 10. That's pretty good. I think most Wolves fans would be pretty happy starting off the season 10-10, uh, 10 10, 500 basketball with, with some nice wins. It's been a mixed bag, but some nice wins uh, we've seen. The uh, chemistry issues, the 10-month layoff, these are all big parts of why we're seeing the issues that we're seeing. Communication on defense. Until you really understand what the scheme is fully, so guys like Anthony Edwards that are really not yet immersed, you look at what Anthony Edwards has missed out on. He's missed out on the offseason. He's missed out on uh, the rookie camps. He's missed out on all the stuff you're going to get from Summer League. None of that's there. He's just getting thrown to the wolves, pun intended, and here we are. All right, so those are things you got to keep in mind. Uh, Floor space on offense is a problem at times, and I'm sorry, but if you've played basketball before, just understand floor spacing. If you're over in the, there's a, there was one play specifically where we had four guys on the left side of the court and one guy on the opposite side. First of all, that one guy over there is not getting the ball. He's nowhere near where the ball was. Those other four guys, the second you see that three of your teammates are right next to you, you're doing something wrong. One of you should move. Things like that, the team has to notice. This is like common sense stuff. So uh, that's kind of where my head is at there is just understanding the game a little better at certain points. Common sense is needed. Again, we touched on uh, good defensive flashes, but consistency. Where is the consistency? Rubio, the conditioning of Rubio, I felt like he looks very tired. There's a layoff, right? But Ricky Rubio was in the bubble. Ricky Rubio was with the Suns in the bubble. So he has played. But again, this is a new team. It's a new offense. It's things that he, you know, he hasn't played uh, with this team, right? He was with Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau traded him. 
He hasn't played under Ryan Saunders. He hasn't played under Gross and Rosas. But I will say when I'm watching him run up and down the court at times, he looks a little winded. Not even winded necessarily. It just doesn't seem like he has that, that, that next step. Something to watch for. Um, you know, looking at Anthony Edwards again, when he shoots a three, I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this. When he shoots a three, I feel like it's not going in. I, I watch him shoot, and I'm just, I, don't, I don't see a lot of confidence there. When I watch him shoot, I'm kind of like, oof, uh, that's, that's not it. I, it just doesn't, I don't know. I do think in time he's going to be a fine three-point shooter. I think he's going to be okay in that regard. At some point in this season, we're going to stop worrying about that. But through those first two games, when he shot, three-pointers specifically, I'm saying, I never felt confident that it was going in. Now, one thing, you watch Jared Culver. When he hit, so in game number one, he hit a three-pointer. And I was actually impressed. I was like, wow, the, the form looks really good. That was really smooth. It was the only, I think it was the only three-pointer he shot in that game, and he made it. So that's a good start, right? You're thinking, oh, 100%. He took a good look. It looked good. Fast forward to game number two, and he makes another three-point shot. And the form didn't look the same. It didn't look as smooth. It almost looked like uh, it had multiple parts to it, which is not what you want to do. So um, that part of it was interesting. I do think that the confidence is there. Jarrett Culver has made some free throws, which is good to see. I'll add in uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez has made some free throws. We need those guys to be able to be consistent if they get to the line, and we're seeing that early on from Jarrett Culver. If he can be a good shooter or at least a reliable shooter, and then you add in that defense, there's a reason why Jarrett Culver is a top-five pick. That's all I'm saying. One thing you notice is guys trying to do too much. I think that's been a common problem, whether it's D'Angelo Russell, whether it's – I don't think Carl Towns has necessarily tried to do too much, but there have been guys on this team, I think, that have tried to do too much. They have to work as a team, and this all goes back to the issues we talked about. I will say this. People want to rip on Josh Kogi. I think he's a very underrated passer. He's not, I'm not saying he's an elite passer. I'm not saying he's a great passer. Underrated as a passer. I think there's more there than people give him credit for. He had one play where I think most people that watch this said, oh, he's out of control. We drove in, jumped like he was going to shoot it, and then threw it back out to an open shooter, and we got a three-point shot, and it was good. And he's done that on more than one occasion in these first two games. So sometimes people think of him as being out of control. But what I'm looking for is little changes to his game to make him a little more efficient. There was a play where he was running down the court, and it was clear that we did not have numbers. The Grizzlies had numbers. And what did he do? He went from looking like he was a little out of control to bringing it back. He got into control, and he threw it out to the point guard. I think it was Russell at that time. Little things like that, that's what I want to see. Now, we talk about uh, making bad decisions. The team in general, a lot of dumb passes. To me, when I watch these games, I touched on the conditioning being an issue, but we just didn't seem as invested in these games as the Grizzlies did. That has to change. We talked about Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was very invested, looked awesome in game two. We need everyone to come to the game with that fire. We need everyone to do that if we're going to have a chance. Uh, I'll touch on this again. We touched on it earlier. Beasley definitely improved on defense. Love the effort. Love the intensity. He's putting it out there. He's laying it out there. Him and RHJ are two guys that have been very impressive. You know, Malik Beasley, before the games, he jumps up on that rim and he screams. That guy's bringing something that a lot of the players on this team don't have. We need that from everybody. And I think that's kind of, that kind of does it for most of the things that I've kind of noticed. Uh, jumping back into the simulation, we are 18 and 21. Uh, it's about mid-March right now. Or it's in March. I don't know if it's mid-March. Taking a look at the, it's the contract extension deadline. And let's see, Josh Okogie's restless and he won't re-sign. Jared Vanderbilt, however, will. And so we're able to get him on a, um, 
let's take a look here. We're going to have to, he won't take the minimum for long term, but if we can get him on, you know, a slightly more contract, maybe like two, three million on three years, let's keep those bird rights. Boom. We're able to re sign him. And let's keep it going the second half of the season here. Again, 18 and 21. Uh, pretty solid. Let's take a look and see how the team is doing in terms of statistics. So let's take a look. League standings in the West. We are we're just outside of the let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We're the nine seed. So actually, if they're gonna do that play in tournament, we'd be right there. We'd have a shot at that play in tournament. I'd be okay with that. Let's take a look at the power rankings. Where does NBA.com have us? We are 17th. That's not bad. I mean, 17th's not bad. We're 5 and 10 over the last month, uh, 1 and 7 over the last two weeks, 1 and 3 over the last week. So we were actually better than our record gives us credit for. We just had a little bit of a, a, little bit of a low patch where we kind of screwed up a little bit. Let's take a look at the league leaders just to see if, how about this? Carl Towns, third in the league at 30.4 points per game. Pretty solid, if you ask me. 1.5 blocks. He has uh, almost a steal a game, just under five assists, and just under 13 rebounds. Very impressive. Let's take a look. Is he going to be in the conversation for any sort of awards? That would be an interesting thing, right? Are we going to look at him and say, is he going to be a guy that could win something this year? I don't see anything that he really qualifies for. Let's take a look here at the uh, player stats on just our team. So Carl Towns, 30 points. Russell is averaging just under 24 points. Seven assists, uh, 1.2 steals. I think we'd all take that, right? Anthony Edwards, uh, just under 14 points. Uh, not doing much otherwise. You know, 1.5 rebounds, two assists. So it's interesting there. Let's go over and just take a look at some of the three-point shooting we have here. So uh, Anthony Edwards, 26%. That's not going to cut it. Uh, Edwards, though, or sorry, Russell, 49%. Carl Towns, 45%. We have Malik Beasley, 40%, or 39%. That's pretty solid, right? We're getting some good shooting for some of these players. Juancho Hernan Gomez, you know, it's not the 43% from last year, but 39%, we'd take that. Uh, Josh Okoge, 39%, almost 40%. So some solid numbers from a lot of players here. And we're going to go ahead and we'll simulate through the rest of the season. And we'll come back at you at the end. We'll finish this portion off, and then we'll uh, finish the episode off with our look at game number three. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing In That Channel, and we are the Howl. All right, so the season ended 37-45. and 45. You know, not as good as I was hoping, but not bad. And again, we had made that change. We stuck with the rosters as is, so we did go with the Akogi and that starting lineup with Jarrett Culver as opposed to Malik Beasley. Your MVP is Giannis. Isaac Okoro's Rookie of the Year. We talked about him earlier, what a great player he is. Although the stats are not great. 7.4 points, 5 rebounds, 7.1 assists, 1.1 steals, and he shot... 25% from three, 68 from the free throw line. That's If that's rookie of the year, then some guys were not good. <laughs> Sixth man is Kendrick Nunn. And defensive player of the year is Jonathan Isaac, who obviously is not going to play this season. And then most improved is Jordan Bell. Good for him, I guess. And Brad Stevens is your coach of the year. Again, we finished 37-45. Carl Towns, first team All-NBA, which is cool to see. And that's it. We do not have anyone else that makes that All-NBA list. How about the All-Defensive team? Nope, no one there. All-rookie, Edwards is all-rookie second team. So let's take a look at, I wonder what his statistics are. We should be able to see that. So 13 points per game, two assists, 1.7 rebounds. So 
pretty much what he was at before. Although I will say 83% from the line is pretty solid. I don't know offhand how many shots he took a game. But overall, I think you'd be pretty happy if you got those numbers. Although the shooting that you got from him on the three-pointing, three-point line, not great. Not what you're going for. Uh, so we'll stop it there, and then um, we're going to uh, come back at you with a look at the third preseason game. So that's going to do it for this portion of the show. You're listening to Dash Radio's Nothing in a Channel, and we are the Howl. All right, so now we dive in to game number three of the preseason, and let's get right into it. So um, preseason game three taking on the Mavericks. Uh, I'll say early on, the officiating in this game was really, really bad. And, uh, you know, what's frustrating to me is I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but when I watch Luka Doncic play basketball, I'm not a happy person. He is so frustrating to watch, complaining the entire game. I don't know if there's anyone in the league that complains as much as Luka Doncic, and to me, it's hard to watch. Uh, maybe I'm alone. I would love to hear other people's comments on that, but like he can literally scream in an official's face and not get a technical foul, which I'll tell you, super frustrating to me. One thing I'll say about this game is the effort is definitely there on the defensive end which is cool to see. Definitely the best we've seen so far. You might not necessarily notice it when you look at the score, but just overall, I really felt like the defense was definitely better than we had seen. One thing I'll mention, though, is guys, for whatever reason, are not good about closing out on shooters, which is really frustrating to me. We give them too much space on the outside, and on top of that, uh, going under screens. Josh Kogi, for example, had a play where he goes under a screen, and it's Tim Hardaway Jr., what are you doing? The guy can shoot. Like, he's a good shooter. Good shooters, you do not go underneath the screen. So it's one thing just to kind of watch for. I'll say this. In this game, uh, Edwards, at times, was absolutely phenomenal. He looked like a completely different player. The confidence was there. One of the first possessions he came in the game, and he guarded Luka, Luka Doncic, and I was so impressed. His movement, his footwork, he has the tools to be an elite defender. That's going to be a storyline to really watch for. But you talk about a guy that showed some flashes in college, but this is, I mean, this is something that you're seeing that's so incredible. And if he can keep that up consistently, uh, very, very cool. Interestingly enough, they had him bring the ball up, which I thought was a kind of a goofy decision, but the first play works. He drives and he gets fouled. Uh, he's not, a, I, to me, he's not like an amazing ball handler. I'm not going to sit here and say he's a bad ball handler, but... I don't watch it. He's not elite, right? I don't know that I really want him being the guy that's going to be bringing the ball up, especially given we have other options. But you're talking about a game where D'Angelo Russell's not playing, and so your options are a little more limited. Uh, by the way, this is a good time to bring up that uh, J-Mac, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, was just re-signed to a two-way deal. So that happened just before the game. So felt like a good time to mention that. So you're going to have options once the regular season starts the thing you'll you'll realize is you're not going to need Anthony Edwards to do that kind of thing. So uh, that's that's one thing to touch on. But they, they tried out. And the, the lineup they're using right now is a little odd to me. It's Nas Reed, Anthony Edwards, Jarrett Culver, uh, Wancho, and Beasley. Now, uh, surprisingly enough, it actually worked out pretty good. And a big part of that is Edwards, who starts off 3 of 3 from 3. And, I mean, it looks really, really good. Looks very, very good. Something to watch for again going forward. Uh, second quarter, I'll mention just more bad officiating. Uh, the officiating in this game, I mean, at time and time again, I was so frustrated watching this. And I could see the Wolves. I could see Ryan Saunders 
getting very, very frustrated at times, and I don't blame them. I thought it was very bad. Uh, Noel uh, ends up coming in earlier than usual, and he, too, has a new confidence, something that we really never saw last year. Last year, I felt like he was timid. He didn't have that confidence that he clearly had in the G League. It's good to see that translate to an NBA game, and not just you know end-of-game minutes, but actually when uh, the game matters a little more. So I really appreciated that, and that's a really important thing to see for his development. Uh, guys are raining threes on Layman in this game. It's very interesting. Something I'm going to w- maybe watch back for. Definitely something I'm going to watch closer going forward. But for whatever reason, when Layman's guarding guys, they're hitting threes. Some of it has been a little bit of ball watching. And so I want to know if, if that's a consistent thing he's been doing. There were a couple plays where I did notice that. On top of that, one thing that has been really consistent from this team on the defensive end has been overhelping. Uh, overhelping and then uh, having a tendency to leave other guys open. Be- and I think that's going to, with time, kind of fix itself. Uh, something to watch for. Um, again, I-, I touched on this earlier, but I'm watching Luke again as he's screaming at these officials, and I just I don't get it. If you're an official, if you're if you're getting screamed at like the whole game, I know he did have in an earlier preseason game. He did get teed up. I'm watching this game and I'm thinking to myself, let's see another tee because if he gets if he's allowed to just the entire game scream at officials pretty much every single play, I if you're an official, I don't know how you let that happen. Um, moving on from that though, on a positive note, a Kogi looking really good uh, shooting from deep. Uh, he's got you know at this stage we're talking about in the uh, kind of second quarter. And he's already got two threes. And I will say, we saw videos in the offseason of him shooting and having like a, I guess I would say, a better form. And it's translating. At least in this game, we're seeing it. It looks really, really good. And so I'm hopeful that that's going to continue once the regular season starts. But so far, so good. He hasn't taken a lot of shots before this game. Not that he's taking a ton in this game. But when we have seen some open looks for him from three, it looks good. So that's something that is very positive. Towns, I think, looks like Towns in this game. The first two, you know, there's obviously there's reasons for that, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's not a negative thing uh, on Towns. I'm just saying when I watch this game, he definitely looks more like Towns than what we saw. He looks a little more comfortable, I guess, or more like himself. So far, at least, again, I'll say this. I don't want to hear any of Kogi slander. By far, I think his best game of the year. Actually, had some really great defense on a couple possessions uh, on Luka, and they actually, the opposing uh, announcers, uh, ended up bringing it up. So something thing that was kind of interesting, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag for me having to listen to the opposing announcers. The way I see it is the Wolves have the best announcing crew, to, for my money anyways, in the NBA. So I don't want to listen to anyone else. I just don't want to. And so for me, it's it's not ideal to have to listen to whoever the announcers are. But these guys are these guys are okay. I mean, at times they're very homerish. And that's one of the things I like about the Wolves is that for the most part, they're not homerish. Jim Pete's going to call a spade a spade. Whereas a lot of these other announcing teams are so over-the-top homer. Uh, for anyone that follows the Vikings and listens to Vikings radio, Paul Allen, the king of the homers. So we know what that's like here in Minnesota. And that's not something you get when it comes to uh, Jim Peterson and Dave Benz. So something to watch for. But that's going to probably be a consistent thing where you're going to get the opposing announcers for away games just because of the pandemic. And I completely understand it. I don't like it. Just in terms of, I'd rather have our announcers, but it's the safe thing to do, and I have no issues, and I understand why they're doing it. Uh, third quarter, we jump ahead there, and more of the same as, again, the refs stink in this game. Maybe I'm the only one seeing this, but I think the refereeing these games, or in this, this game, has been really bad. I'm not saying that's why uh, we're losing, and we've been very competitive up to this point, but 
I just think the officials have made an impact on this game, and it's a little frustrating. But score aside, I do think that the Wolves have looked pretty good at, at stretching this game. You know, one guy that just kind of makes you feel meh or kind of blah is Wancho. Wancho has not impressed me even remotely in any of the games. He hasn't even had really moments where I've been like, oh, all right, there's Wancho. I have not been impressed. And to me, if you're going to give the minutes to the guys that deserve it, he has not shown up. He is not a guy that I say to myself, oh, all right, that's, let's, this is it. This is the guy we're going to watch. This is what we're going to see from him. You know, you look at that 43% shooting last year. That's not there. I think his shot selection's been bad. You're not getting rebounds. I just, to me, I watch the game, and if he's doing something, if he's doing anything positive on the floor, I'm not seeing it. And it's not necessarily that he's doing anything negative, per se, but he just doesn't, he just doesn't stand out to me. There's, I'm just not seeing what I want to see. Um, uh, interestingly, uh, Beasley uh, went through a stretch here where you could tell he was getting pissed. He was guarding uh, Luka Doncic, and I thought very admirably, especially given the size differences. And he was getting angry, playing angry, and I like it. He was not playing out of control. He was just playing with that fire, and I love that. I want to continue that. There was one play in particular in that third quarter. Towns gets fouled by maybe the entire team. Like, I think he was, like, it was one on five. And I think every single guy fouled him. And they didn't call a single one. And he still ends up scoring. And even the announcers were like, wow. Like, what a play by Towns. Taking on the entire team. So, uh, interestingly enough, you know, you look at this. And the Wolves, at the kind of the eight or nine minute mark, you know, they're close. They're down five in the third. And then you get uh, further down in that third quarter. Luca finally gets a T, which is awesome. But then it just, it was like, we just went on this drought towards the end of that third quarter, and all of a sudden we're down big to end that third quarter. And unfortunately, uh, that that really stung because I don't think it tells the story of the game because I think at this stage, when you're watching it and you're getting into that third quarter and it's coming out of the, down to the end of that third, I thought the Wolves actually had played a lot better than the score indicated, which is a little different than what we saw in the first two games where I didn't think the score always told how poorly we played. I don't th- At this point in the game, I felt like saying to myself, we've played better than the score indicate. In the fourth quarter, the Wolves really definitely started to come alive. Uh, Beasley really starts to catch fire from deep. Uh, RHJ, Ronnie House Jefferson, continues to impress. And honestly, he can have all of Wancho's minutes. You know, that's the one guy. If I was to really single out one player that's really, to me, been disappointing, it's definitely been Wancho. That's kind of how I view it, at least so far. A lineup that I love that we tried using is Rubio, Edwards, Beasley, RHA, and Towns. I thought they were very effective, and they were a big catalyst in this fourth quarter. You know, the game comes down to the final possession where Tyrell Terry gets blocked. We end up heading to OT. The Wolves ended that fourth quarter on a 14-2 run, had multiple chances to win that they really should have made. Even the announcers talked about it. Keep in mind, at this stage, it's all backups or backups of backups. It's not the starters. Neither team is, this is a development stage. They're not trying to necessarily win the game. I mean, those players that are on the court are trying to win the game, but we're not talking about your best five guys against your best five guys. You know, Luca's not out there. Towns isn't out there. Um, you know, things to keep in mind. One thing I'll say, Jared Culver, honestly, he looks to be here to stay. Hits a three in this game again, just so improved as far as a shooter, not only from deep, but from the free throw line. I am so impressed with Jared Culver. He put in the work, and I love that it's paying off. Very cool to see from him. And now you talk about if both Jared Culver and Josh Kogi 
They're great point-of-attack defenders. If they've both improved enough offensively to not be liabilities, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. Uh, Nas, I will say in this game, Nas Reed, this is his first game uh, back. He had been going through the COVID protocols. He has not found his shot as of yet, and uh, he missed a number of wide-open threes in this game, including one that would have probably won the game in that fourth quarter. But I'm not worried. You know, it's going to take a little time for him to get back into game shape, get everything figured out, but I think he's going to be solid. So, again, I'm not. that's not a player that worries me. And in the end, the Wolves do end up winning this game 129-127. It's funny, that the very last play of the game, we have me and Kevin, one of our favorite players, Boban Marjanovic, hits or shoots a three and uh, in and out, and that uh, would have actually given them the lead, uh, given the Dallas Mavericks the lead. But as a Wolves fan, even if it's not that big of a deal in terms of the importance of the game, I'll take a win. Anytime you can take a win here in Minnesota, we're definitely going to take it. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of The Howl. Remember, you can tune in to our show on Dash Radio's Nothing Been a Channel. If you miss us on Dash Radio, you can definitely find us where any podcasts are found. So that's Stitcher, Podium, iTunes, Spotify. We're on all the different platforms. And until next week, let me get a howl. Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's the fifth pick in the 1995 NBA draft. The Minnesota Timberwolves select Kevin Garnett from Farragut Academy in Chicago. And the Minnesota Timberwolves are going to the Western Conference Finals. Happy birthday, Kevin Garnett. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt.